Uh, welcome to our Talking Tuesdays. Uh, as you would all know that our topic for today is uh, let's talk about placenta. So to know more about uh, placenta, uh, Divya, can we start? Sure. So let's begin with um, posing a question. The question is, who does the placenta belong to? Where does it come from? And so while we are talking, you can keep posting the answers. Who does it belong to? Where does it come from? So that's a very big question. And uh, the reason I want to ask this question is because it, it has implications for the baby from the scientific point of view. And it has implications for the baby from a cultural point of view. So how we treat the placenta culturally also comes uh, from our understanding of the placenta. But we all know placenta is the uh, center or the master uh, regulator for everything to the baby. It is where, uh, simply put, it is where the nutrients and the oxygen is being exchanged and the toxic uh, waste is being taken away. And that's the place where it's being, uh, all the exchange is taking place. So for everybody else, that is what feeds the baby. That's what keeps the baby going. So quick question again. I mean, this is the one I really want to ask questions with. Uh, so when does this placenta come online? And that would be also an interesting question. So let's see if we're getting some replies. Who does the placenta belong to? Uh, and where does it come from? Um, do we have some answers there? Any Anyone? Guesses? Any guesses? Oh, okay, people. <laughs> uh, so usually people think that um, everybody knows that there is a placenta. The most concern about placentas is where is it lying and um, is it functioning well. So we always look at placenta from a medical perspective. Um, okay, very nice. We're starting to get answers to that. So we look at it medically as to whether it is functioning well or not. Let's start with saying that the placenta actually belongs to the baby. So the baby comes in with his own system of getting nutrition in the first three months, the nutrition in the baby is self-contained till that placenta is fully embedded and fully functional. So it starts with, I'm self-sufficient. Let me reach out to my mother. The mother meets the baby from the other side. They set up a system, which is called the placenta. And then the placenta comes online at about 12 weeks. And that's the first trimester. And the first cells that are made from that um, that fertilized cell, that line outside, the outer boundary of that mass of cells, which is a blastocyst to begin with, which means a, a bunch of cells and then a, an outer rim of cell. The outer rim is specifically created to make the placenta. So it's the baby's own cell. And don't think of it as a differentiated cell of placenta. In the beginning, before it became a placenta, all the cells were the same. There was no baby feeders, or placenta, they're not different organs, they're the same cells. So at the core of it, the, uh, the placenta shares the same DNA, the same germ or st stem cells as the baby himself, which makes it very, very specific to this baby and also very, very pro-baby, not anti-baby. It's very, very pro-baby. So as it comes in, it starts to, uh, you know, extends its tentacles into the mother. The mother receives it, and then they start to work together. 
Um, if you read medical texts, they call it invasive. But I like to think that it isn't because there are two very sentient processes going on. The baby is reaching out to the mother and the mother is actually receiving it rather than just, uh, you know, the baby cell invading the mother, which sounds really an aggressive and, um, and not the right platform for a mother's and baby relationship. So the mother meets it. And then, of course, they're continuously uh, in contact. And earlier, we thought that the placenta is just an exchange center. But we now know that it's no longer just an exchange center. It, you, it's quite intelligent. It's actually called a third brain. Uh, it has the processes of uh, sophistication, literally like the heart and brain. So it's actually um, looking at what the mother is sending uh, the baby's way. And it's not like a mother is consciously saying, okay, I'm going to filter this thing for you. And it's the mother is sending a complete view of the world as she is living it, as the baby will live it, as the baby comes out. So she's sending everything. But the placenta is kind of making a decision saying, hmm, is it like what the baby has to live with or is it a short-term thing? So research now says that when the mother has an acute stress, which means she just had a bad day, the placenta actually buffers that stress from the baby. So the baby is not fully, uh, you know, uh, into that stress or saying, oh my God, my mother's world is so stressful. The baby is oblivious to that. Yes, she's having a heart rate escalation. Yes, her breath is short, but I am safe. The baby has that sense because the hormones or the biochemistry of that stress is not just floating away to the baby. And so that is a protective measure. So as long as it is acute stress and the mother comes back, her, her balance state is quite he uh, you know, healthy and uh, happy and joyful, the, the placenta actually restricts that biochemistry of stress. But when the mother is in a chronic stress, which means, oh dear, the world around her is stressful, this baby should prepare for it, the placenta will let that pass, that biochemistry pass, and generate their own stress hormones for the baby. So this baby's entire body is now going to be shaped which means adrenal glands which means brain wiring which means heart everything is going to be shaped to deal with the world that he's going to meet outside it's interesting that it's kind of being the barrier so somebody i think wrote um, i didn't quite read the whole thing she said first mother uh, yeah and she said the placenta a second mother or first mother to the baby Yes, but in many cultures, including our own, sometimes we say that it is the uh, twin. Because you know how twins are, they come from the same cell into two. So it's the baby's sibling, it's the baby's uh, support, it's the baby's companion. Uh, and in the dice, the dice call it the, uh, the pool, where the baby is the pulp. So you know, there is, uh, if you see how, how trees have the flower and then the fruit comes, so it's the flower. And if you look at it, it looks quite flourish, opened up. And uh, so uh, different cultures look at it with great reverence. And we uh, have now kind of relegated it to biomedical, um, um, you know, waste. Um, sorry. So a lot of culture actually was around um, ritualization of this placenta and we know that there are restorative properties in placenta we know that even after the baby's born the placenta is still doing its work that is why we are saying delay uh, clamping of the cord because it's sending the blood 
and oxygen and nutrition back to the baby. So it's still functioning at uh, even after birth, but at any other time for the baby. So so we start looking at placenta as a um, as an intelligent organ that the baby has sent out to make contact with the mother, so that he receives nutrition, information, uh, hormones, emotions, all in the right way so that the baby is developed um, to come out into the world and survive. And, you know, we are always in this notion because we are so stuck to, okay, think right, think positive. We're, we're thinking that if it's not working, it's actually something wrong. If you change that approach to say, if something is happening, what is it indicating? Where is this biology compensating? Why is this making a deviation from what the original blueprint was? And that might give us an insight to what action we may be able to take or what we could do to help or how we could rectify it if that is possible. I mean, um, you know, when people feel restless, they try and escape it. They try and distract themselves. But if they were to pay attention to it and say, oh, I feel this way, what's going on with me? They might find solutions. They might uh, seek help. They might do so much more. If they stop looking at anything that is slightly uncomfortable as, oh, avoid it or just cover it up or don't talk about it. Instead, if they name it, if they own it, if they look that this is also my body's wisdom telling me. So, you know, people are talking of placenta and the problems with it. But if we look at it, that if it is from the baby, for the baby, then what's going on in this system that it is not working fully for the baby? Or is it? Even the, even the compensatory stages are still working for the baby. And how, we, how can we improve that or how we can you know, optimize that? Great, very interesting. We just had uh, one question regarding uh, uh, low-line placenta. Okay. So can we address so it now? Yeah, of course. So right from the beginning, we say, uh, you know, uh, women who go for exercise, they've been told that they have low-line placenta, as they say. What does that mean? And then in adjunct to that, addition to that, we say, um, maybe the placenta will move. This is a very commonly used uh, phrase towards the end. She said, oh, I had a low-lying placenta, but my placenta moved. Now, if the placenta is embedded in the wall of the uterus, we're hoping it doesn't move out of there because um, it is a connection with the mother. It's a connection that was created over three months. So let's get that right. It's not moving. So what is actually moving? Um, I did pick out small tiny bits so that I can explain um, a little bit better. Look at that. If that was your um, uh, water bag, that's the placenta. And from the inside, if I were to see, this is the baby's side with the cord in it. Now, if this is embedded in the wall of the uterus, so for the sake of this, I'm gonna invert the uterus out. It's embedded into the wall of the uterus. It's not going to move. What does move as the uterus grows in size is that point where it was embedded with the elongation of the uterus growing up, it might move. So we have a, a you know, uh, if you could imagine that, um, let me see if I can get that to explain in a, in a different way, right? So I'm gonna use a balloon to explain it. Yeah, so if you say the placenta had fall, so the baby, the blastocyst falls and hits this part of the mother's uterus and embeds here, versus here. So when the uterus is really small, they seem very close to each other. 
But as this will grow and elongate, can you see the distance between them changing? So the, uh, the cervix will not change, but this will. Now, the red dot, which is pretty close to the black one, now seems like the, the placenta is moving. Uh, well embedded, but the uterus grows in size. So a low-lying placenta, 90% people will start their pregnancy with a low-lying placenta. Placentas have moved or they we're, we're, uh, we're, we're facing some um, issues uh, so, uh, related to your internet connection. Do you want me to say that again? Do that again. Yeah, because your um, screen is okay. freezing Maybe and I uh, can't hear you again. as well. Should I do that? Should I jump off and come? Hi, everyone. We'll just wait for a minute uh, for Divya to join in. In the meanwhile, if you have any questions around uh, uh, around anything related to placenta, uh, please feel free to uh, put it uh, in the comments uh, section or you can send me a question. For those of you who have just recently joined, uh, we are basically talking about uh, placenta in our Talking Tuesdays uh, today. Uh, we're just waiting for uh, Divya to join us back. Uh, she was having some issues uh, related to uh, her internet. Uh, yes, Miracleen DJ, I got your question earlier, so I'm going to take it up uh, now. Deep Liango, I got your question as well. I'm just uh, pinning them so that we can take it up uh, once they get back. Umaranki, uh, I'm pinning your question as well. Um, so once they get back, we can take these questions one by one. Pavi, I'm putting your question as well. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, Priya, Priya Ramakrishnan, uh, if you're there, uh, you had sent us a question uh, through an email. Uh, so we are going to take that up as well. And uh, Divya is going to write to you separately uh, on some of the questions that you had sent us. Umaramki, uh, yes, your question is also related to what uh, Priya uh, had sent us. So we are going to take this up uh, uh, now once uh, Divya comes back. Thank you everyone for uh, sending all your questions. 
uh, I can take them up one by one uh, once uh, Divya joins us back. Uh, just uh, please bear with us for two minutes or uh, three minutes more. This is one of the topics uh, which was uh, recommended by uh, one of the viewers only to us. So thank you for that. Uh, seems like uh, a really interesting one. Hi, hi, Ken. Yeah, hi, Devya. Yes, um, well, I can see you better. Hmm. Hmm. So um, some of the comments were that, uh, you know, they just heard you till a balloon's expansion, increasing yeah. the distance between the dots. So if you can just continue from there. Yes. And in the meanwhile, so, um, we have got a few uh, questions, which, uh, you know, I can uh, take them up one by one later. Okay, so... Uh, if you can see as the uh, as the uterus grows the point where the attachment is if it is at a point which moves or grows or lengthens you will find that the placenta has moved so to speak otherwise if it is in a section that is not going to move so if this is my uterus if it's here and this grows placenta will grow if it's embedded here it won't so 90% of people will start their pregnancy with a low-lying placenta. That's okay. We will truly call it a low-lying placenta when the uterus has grown to its full um, height. And that would be after about 36 to 38 weeks. As the baby is growing, the uterus is growing, the muscles are lengthening, point of contact might keep changing, and it needs to be away from the mouth of the uterus. The only time it is a low-lying placenta is at the end of pregnancy. Any partially or fully the mouth of the uterus, because when that opens, the contact will be lost. Other than that, it will not be considered a low-lying placenta. So that's the uh, criteria. So a lot of women will start with low-lying placentas. They will, it will change in relativity because the uterus has grown. And we're not calling it, uh, or it doesn't need to be considered as something that needs medical intervention till you assess it towards the end of pregnancy. Now questions. Okay. So uh, Miracolene is asking, I had a low-lying placenta till 36th week during my <clears throat> first pregnancy. Uh, what could be the reason? Is it because of our food habits, health, genetic, or any other reason? It's where the baby or the blastocyst when it fell out of the fallopian tube implanted. There is nothing nobody has done for it to be in any other way. It's just purely how the system is. And uh, you know, when you say at 36 weeks, now uh, if you allow it to uh, go up to 38 weeks, you could have seen a change. Uh, I don't know what the outcome of that low-lying placenta was, how your, your uh, care provider laid out the options for you. So that is something for you to consider. That if it is at 36 weeks, where is it? Is it around the mouth of the uterus? It's, you will usually say it's in and around the in, inner os or the internal os os. And that's the way it will be uh, shown 
uh, in, in an ultrasound or whatever else you might see. So it's nothing that you've done. And there's nothing that you can do to change it either. So it is one of those things that is how it is. Okay. I hope that answers your question, Miraclean. Uh, Neha is asking, do you know of any link between hormonal medication in early pregnancy linked to placenta issues towards the end of pregnancy? I don't know if there's a research around it. Um, there are some anecdotals uh, saying that, you know, a high dose of progesterone can uh, be about when the placenta detaches, but there is really, I have not heard any research around it. But okay. also if you're taking medication in terms of, um, say, a hormone of pregnancy, you have to consider what is the reason that it's being prescribed. You have to evaluate that because see, when we talk about cause and effect in generics, we usually miss the nuance of a person's unique health. So I'd say that just because everybody's been given a supplement, it's not okay to take it. So it's good to ask if you're prescribing me something, what are the, what are the um, you know, signs or the symptoms that you're looking at? What are the things that you observe that warrant me taking uh, a medication? Even if there is really no evidence in the cause and effect, even so ingesting something without really knowing what is the purpose of it, and the, uh, and the need of it is kind of a sad idea. Okay. Uh, Deepika is asking, I am at 18 week and uh, doctors said my placenta is interior covering OS. Can you please explain about this? Okay, so OS. Let's start with the OS part. If you look at my little, this thing, you can see the difference in the knit. Let's say the plain knit is, your, is the body of the uterus and the, uh, the little bit of a stripy knit is the cervix or the mouth of the uterus. So you can see that the mouth of the uterus is not a point of entry but a tube. And the inner part where it meets the body is called the internal os or os and this is called the external os. So if she, it's a low-lying placenta, right now it may be covering a tuck, it may be touching this. But as this grows, it might just move away from it a little bit. This is something we can only see. We cannot predict. There is no predictive model for this. We have to wait and see how the uterus um, accommodates the baby or grows or changes to accommodate the baby. And then how that in relation to the point of attack of the internal loss, the distance will change. Does that does that explain it to you? Deepika, does that answer your question? Okay, I'll uh, jump to the next question. Uh, Deep is asking us, I'm in my 36th week and uh, this is my first, and this is my first pregnancy. And in my first pregnancy, I had to undergo C-section since I had placenta previa. Is there any chance for normal delivery? No, I think she's saying yes. this is my, or maybe this is second. her second because she's saying undergo C-sec, yes. Yeah. 
So if your first pregnancy ended with a C-section for birth because of a low-lying placenta, oh, that's uh, not I think she's necessary. asking that um, this is her first pregnancy this... and she has been recommended to undergo a C-sex since she has a placenta previa. Is there any chance for normal delivery? This is her question. Okay, so I'm going to explain what is happening and then you'll be able to answer the question and find the answer for yourself. If this is the mouth of the uterus and this is what it needs to do for the baby to come out and the placenta is in the way of it, when you start to dilate and open up, the placenta will lose contact with the body of the uterus. What does that mean in terms of health of the baby? The baby depends on that contact and transference of nutrition and oxygen for uh, its well-being. So if the, if the mouth of the uterus is covered by the placenta, which is a low line of previa, placenta previa, and the mouth opens, which means the contact is lost because this tissue goes away. And therefore that cannot be possible because we can't have the baby without the oxygen and the nutrition for any period of time. So say if the door is blocked by something for the person inside to come out, can you open the door and take away the block or remove the block, especially if the block is, is vital for the, for the person inside? Is it possible? And that, that is the answer. So if your placenta is covering the, uter uh, the os or any way the, the cervix, then having a normal delivery would mean removing the placenta before the baby can come out. And that would be the problem. So short answer, no. But an understanding is good. And a dialogue also is good to understand where is it? Is it covering the OS? What are the... Let your doctor explain it to you. But for you to understand that the vital organ will have to be taken out before the baby, which cannot be possible. Which so cannot be possible. Okay. Uh, Pavi is asking DCDO, twin pregnancy with two placenta, what complications can arise? Um, say that again. What? Uh, She's what mentioned DCDO, twin pregnancy with two placentas, what complications can arise? Okay, so I, I need clarification on DCDO. What does that mean? Pavi, can you explain this a, a bit more in the comments for us, please? See, since uh, I'm, I'm a doula and a, uh, and a birth worker, but not a medical practitioner, so it would not be appropriate for me to explain medical, um, give you medical advice. So I just need an explanation on DCDO. What does it mean? And whether it lies within the purview of what I can explain. Because I have not heard that term before. Okay. Uma Ramki is asking, uh, this is one of the questions we uh, received uh, in our email as well. Uh, Uma Ramki is asking, can you please describe about circumvalid placenta and what precautions to be taken? Uh, will it affect the baby after she's born? Not after she's born. Circumvalid placenta would mean that the, uh, so, so if you see this, the, the fluid bag is touching the placenta on one side. That's one of the bags. The other one comes here and attaches here. So there are two layers of
So the one that is attaching here uh, is here, but this one somehow double backs like this. Can you see that? So this is what you're describing, circumvalentine. And one of the things that comes up with it that we are monitoring how the baby is growing. Is the nutrition going to the baby okay? Uh, so these are the concerns. And also if instead of attaching here, it's here and this is exposed, there is some risk of abrupting or separating. So it will need close monitoring in two ways. Is the placenta doing well? Is the baby's weight doing well? And any other uh, thing that may be needed or any other action that may be taken or an intervention will only depend on what is the outcome of these two things that are being monitored. If the baby is doing well, the placenta is doing well, nothing else is needed. But if one of the parameters needs support, then accordingly an intervention or a medical suggestion will be made. This okay. was exactly the question that was asked on our email, uh, if you remember. Correct. I said that yes, it's a medical yes. I just wanted to explain it. I, I actually called out like for this. Priya in case, uh, because I should mention she will be attending. So in case, uh, Priya, you're attending our Insta, this is, uh, you know, the answer to your question. But we will be uh, writing to you separately as well. Uh, one of the questions which has come up is, uh, can we do exercise if we have a low-lying placenta? Yes. You can. So gentle walking can be done. Maybe not things that might pressure downwards, but all other kinds of exercises, breath work, movement, they're all okay. Yeah. Even now, uh, it's still implanted. Uh, it's still implanted. If it is implanted at a place where it has enough roots and sustains the baby, it is safe. So not vigorous exercises, not exercises that put pressure downwards, but yes, you can. You can have just a normal lifestyle. See, now we're looking at placentas really early. But what when there was no ultrasounds, people did have low-lying placentas, 90% of them, which, which then, as the uterus grew, uh, grew, also changed their positions in relation to the, uh, to the Oz and had normal births. We can't get stuck with paranoia. The, the one thing that will affect you the most and affect the baby the most is constant worrying. Everything else can be handled, but that constant worrying will get to you. And if it is a place or a particular situation which needs special assistance or help or uh, consideration, that's your unique uh, anti antenatal care. That's the conversation your doctor is having with you. Only thing is that, yes, I accept that sometimes doctors look at a small problem and they generically offer the most invasive way of dealing with it or the most uncomfortable way of dealing with it, which also means that you need to speak at depth from a place of knowledge, of knowing, not from a place of you tell me what to do. So they'll only give you a prescription that would be broad spectrum and it covers all bases. You need to... Uh, um, uh, in, you know, interact in a way that customizes and, you know, gives you very individual care. And if you find that a doctor is just, uh, you know, prescribing medication and, and saying things on a defensive way, maybe the way your screen is getting frozen yeah. again. Okay, it's better. Okay. 
yeah there now this is this is the best life that do i have everything going but this is the best right okay, now okay this this fine hopefully you're uh, here saying that um, having yes no we can we can see you and hear you perfect now uh prasanna uh, partially divya has already answered your question she's saying that i don't have any um um you know bleeding uh, and doctor hasn't advised me for a bed rest she's having a low lying posterior placenta up to internal os is this fine can she continue walking she doesn't have any bleeding issues or anything else how many weeks is she uh she's 24 24 weeks um so you have to look at uh, if you what is the level of activity that you want to do if you've been on bed rest then you start slowly um you might want to find a place uh, a boundary in yourself where you can feel safe i mean i truly trust uh, your intuition on this rather than me telling you you can and the doctor telling you you can't because that's a point of conflict so if you are wanting to move around just because you feel restricted by the doctor that cannot be our approach but your approach can be if i go say i walk out from my room to my drawing room today and i and i rest and i feel good i feel safe with that then that is the approach i would take um but can i walk out and you need you neither need my permission nor do i know what's happening with you and same goes for the doctor but the point is how can you or your your nervous system tolerate the fear of that low lying placenta which is now there versus the intuition in your own body and somewhere there is a line in the sand so not in stone but in the sand that you are comfortable with and you're constantly you're constantly looking at your well being with that line now it's not a new phenomena it's it's a phenomena that you do every day so so just to say that that intuition is already there in you when you wake up in the morning what in you informs you that you're well enough to get on with the day all of us not just you all of us if there is even the slightest bit don't we aren't we the first people to know it then each of us will look at what is happening in a very peculiar and unique way to say do i need to take a cup of tea for my sore throat do i need to get an antibiotic should i see a doctor and everybody will negotiate that on a very personal basis because that's how they see safety a large part of recovery from anything or sustaining health is about feeling safe because when you are safe your body functional and including immunity are working well so if we get caught up with the doctor is saying but i'm presenting it that's not helpful for the baby it may keep the placenta where it is but the rest of you is in chronic stress which the presenter is taking to the baby and i am going sure. to fight the doctor well don't let's not make it about the doctor and medical science let's make it about you what is the place where you can be happy rested and mobile that's uniquely you and if you can find that place then this will sustain this is how biology is it isn't right and wrong it is what can be done in this situation and you are well in tune with it actually there is a scientific phenomenon about it we can perceive threat and safety in an unconscious way and uh, dr peter levin calls it neuroception there is a mechanism in us that tells us where our boundary is all we need to do is trust it or at least look for it or 
make me interact with it a little bit. I want to go back to that twin placenta um, because she, I, I, I read that they had explained it a little bit. Yeah, just one. Two sacs, two placentas. Yes. Yeah, she's saying, um, oh, that's Umaranki. Two babies, two sacs. Yeah, two, but we saying placentas. two sacs, two placentas for the twin. Uh, twin one is at the bottom and has a low-lying placenta. Any one of them, if they have a low-lying placenta at 36, 38 weeks will be an indicator for doing something. Right now, if the babies are growing well, the placentas are functioning well, that's all they need to know. So, okay can't answer that question but these are the parameters on which they can evaluate what they would need to do at the end yeah okay uh sindhu is asking will central placenta occur in second pregnancy my first was a preterm uh will placenta fixed and did not move at all placentas are fixed so they was fixed at a place in the uterus that was not moving or growing. That was the part that was static and then the rest of it is growing. So if it was so in the first, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the second. Remember, this is something that belongs to the baby. So it was unique, unique. to that baby and not to you. So it right. may or may not happen in the second one. It's not written in stone here. Yeah. So Ganya is asking, uh, I was asked to take bed rest in 20 weeks. Uh, due to placenta previa, uh, placenta completely covering the cervix opening. Uh, by 28 weeks, uh, placenta moved a bit and it became partial previa. I have a large fibroid. So uh, how it affects the placental position? So again, just very, very general knowledge, not specific to you. You need to know where the fibroid is. So there are three layers of your uterus, the endometrium, which is the inner layer, the, the middle layer and the outer, the ectomer. So where in these layers is the fibroid? How big is it? So if say, this is my uterus, my placenta is here and my fibroid is here, it doesn't matter. My fibroid is on, on the outside and growing, it doesn't matter. So it's very unique to know what is happening where. Now you use the use uh, use the term placenta previa, uh, and then it it's become partial. So obviously it is now embedded in an area which is changing as the uterus is growing. See, 28 weeks is where the baby is now starting to grow, and you're already beginning to see some of the change. It's a wait and watch what happens next. Uh, so it could just move a little bit away. So if it was here and now it's here because this segment has moved and it might move as the baby. Now is the time for the baby growing. So you might find quite a bit of change. It's just wait and watch. But while you're waiting and watching, don't forget the present. Because your present is where the baby is taking his signals. Um, you know, if it was a deer who sees a, a tiger and runs away and shakes it off, he's not thinking about the tiger. He's still enjoying his meal, frolicking around in the woods. Humans are the only species that are always worried about the future. future. In the past. So there was a documentary about stress on BBC and they said that the, uh, that the zebra was chased by the tiger, the cheetah. 
He says the zebra would think you're stupid because you're worrying in your car in a traffic jam for taxes that you have to pay six, six months later. That's where the, your physiology gets a little bit all out of whack. So even though you're keeping a mindful eye on this is a possibility and owning it and accepting it, telling the baby, oh, so that's how you want it to come. But today, your baby needs you present. In fact, your children need you present to them at all times. Your biology needs you present at all times. So how about taking some breaks from thinking about that placenta and talking to the baby and saying what's going on with you. Today, mommy is going out for lunch or today I'm having this particular uh, you know, soup or whatever it is. Giving him daily bulletins about your life so that the baby says, oh, it's not all worrying about something, but there is more stuff going on as well. Right. Uh, Banu Chitra is asking, uh, is vaginal delivery possible when the placenta is low-lying at the end of pregnancy? No. That's what we had explained. Because if the yeah. cervix is to open and the baby has to pass, then we have to remove the placenta out of the way. We do not want to detach the placenta till the baby is out breathing and is in the mother's arms. Uh, Murugu, Muru, Muruga Shankari, uh, sorry, I got your name uh, incorrect. Uh, Muruga Shankari uh, is asking a question which uh, Divya would love to answer. Uh, she is saying, how important are ultrasounds during pregnancy? In the olden days, there were no ultrasounds. How many are actually needed and how relevant are they? So if you look at uh, what are the minimum that are needed are only two. If you want to be extra careful about the genetics, then you could do the one at the 12 weeks and the 16 weeks. Before doing any, any test, not just ultrasounds, I'm not very fond of them. Um, and I own that, um, but that's my perspective. Anything that you need to do, you have to be clear why you need it. So when, when an ultrasoundologist sees and says all is well, uh, well, before that time that you went under the scan or, or the, um, the probe, who was in charge of that wellness for the baby and you? So, um, that the doctor's visit is 15 minutes, but the whole month, which is 29 days, 23 hours and 45 minutes, who's in charge? And if you can stay with that and you can know, um, do I trust that or do I need some reassurance, and I'm going to call it reassurance. I, I can call it proof, but I think reassurance may be a better word because it puts the onus on you. If you want to do something and you're being asked to do something, always ask, what, is, what are we going to gain out of this? What, what is this action for? If the action is for nothing, then whether I do it or not, it doesn't matter. So that may be a good guide to say how many ultrasounds you could get done. You're not looking at the baby's picture through an ultrasound. That's a very outside of yourself way of looking at um, looking at the baby. The babe, you know the baby from inside. The baby knows you from inside. There's a whole social engagement happening inside in terms of uh, you know um, uh, electromagnetic uh, radiation of your heart, your brain coherence, your tissues. There's so much going on on the inside. The, the very thoughts that you think um, are helping inside. You know, lots of people talk about their first babies and then their second one saying, we have not had enough time with the, with the baby. And I always tell them that in the first time, you have to think 
there was an idea of a baby and that was a different kind of love but this baby is being marinated in mother's love as you feel it for your toddler or your older child and so that your baby knows you from inside you know it from inside so don't go for ultrasound because it's a picture um it's a picture that you're holding on to but it we really don't know how the baby receives those ultrasounds sometimes tuning in may be a better idea to meet your baby and visualize your baby and talk to the baby but if there is a medical need and there is there needs to make make a decision on something that will arise out of that test it could be any test then that test becomes valid otherwise it's not and uh, the recommendation i think is two and the genetic uh, the ones that evaluate genetics perhaps just those two Pavi is asking a uh, role of cervical stitch for low lying placenta does removal of cervical stitch cause um, any complications for the placenta because the stitch is on the outer os external os and that is on the internal the placenta was somewhere here that's the so there is about an inch and a half passage way so no You do realize you're asking me very medical questions. I am not a medical practitioner. Deepika is asking, can we travel through a flight if we have a low-lying placenta? I don't think I'm qualified to answer that question. Yeah, that is a because this is. If I answer that question in generics, I do need to take responsibility. So I I don't think I can answer that question. This is a very specific question that can be answered between between you and your. Yeah. Uh Kamal is asking uh, many doctors suggesting bed rest for low lying placenta during second trimester how bed rest will help in low lying placenta is it really necessary So we do have some research that says that bed rest really has no efficacy and um basically they are erring at the side of caution that no pressure nothing that makes the uh, the cervix open up no not but they're just covering all bases and having you lie down because they're feeling even the weight of the baby uh, and the amniotic fluid and everything might put pressure on the cervix that might then start to open up so they're really erring on the side of caution we did answer that question a little bit earlier what kind of mobility so they might say you can go to the bathroom uh i i think we are also coming from this mindset that we just give them instructions just follow the instructions but we are also now living in a society where we seek answers i feel that if we get the right answer we get the right picture each one of you is quite capable of making um that getting that right answer for yourself so it's not immobility uh it, it that has no efficacy in a low lying placenta not at all okay then they would have you at bed rest all the way up to 37 weeks um, because any time before that any change at the cervix will need a medical intervention will become an emergency so you know i don't think that's that's the way to go about it uh miraclean is also asking that i had heavy uh, blood loss during labor is it cause of low lying placenta which i had earlier heavy blood loss there are you know there are many things that you see so you know our medical knowledge about placentas comes from a very different perspective than from physiological perspective if you were to see the work of um dr um uh, michael odor 
he says that if the mother and baby are left alone physiologically the birth is completed you won't find so much hemorrhaging and other problems for which the doctors are trying to manage everything now the thing is that when we are when we are uh, looking at even the research on postpartum hemorrhaging blood loss etc we are put, where are we putting our first setting what are we comparing it to we are comparing it to the medical model if we start to compare it to the medical model which means it's an observed birth it is an intervened birth we are not going to get the result how many of us have now truly seen a physiological birth where the mother and baby are quote unquote undisturbed so we are not talking of just keeping the mother and baby together that's that's one of the things undisturbed has physical emotional mental spiritual and many other connotations if i may say that i don't know of which also means that this mother's complete attention and focus is this baby this baby is doing exactly what the blueprint of his dna tells him people may be observing but their eyes and their observation are also not obtrusive they're not needed if we can find that we find no evidences of hemorrhaging because the process itself has the protective measure from hemorrhaging whether it's the baby kicking at the fundus of the uterus or the oxytocin which is what they are giving to reduce uh, you know contract the placenta oxid high levels of oxytocin the very behavior of the mother and baby are protective towards this release of placenta or the physiological third stage but do the doctors know how to do it have we know do we trust it have we seen it we don't know so we are all negotiating at all times what might work so you know when you say postpartum uh, this thing were you anemic were you given a lot of uh, supplements was there progesterone but it's certainly not only because or because of the low lying placenta it isn't that uh, you know each time somebody talks about a problem i want to go back to the blueprint if we understand the blueprint these these are not separate issues it's the continuum of the same process which shows a divergence from what it is designed simply because we've prodded and poked it so many times so we cannot explain it in terms of pathology that's the way the doctors may talk and that's their role and that's what they're saving us from but we cannot talk about birth babies placentas pregnancies humanity in terms of pathology what is the problem with us that's not our question what helps us solve these problems which are symptoms of something going wrong they're not problems they're just a cry for help if we look at that way we might find answers lots of answers within us so i'm just going to take uh, two uh, questions now uh, one is by uh, from nitya and she's saying does placenta role or function reduces a little nearing 41 weeks okay i love that question so you say does the placenta's role or function reduces so to un- answer that question you have to first say what is the role of the placenta when it needs to give the baby x is it giving x the role is fine when it needs to give half of x is it giving half of x role is fine is the placenta maturing towards the end of pregnancy yes it is preparing to give baby what is vital but on the other hand easily releasing so is it functioning changing perhaps 
but is it still doing its function yes it's not reducing it's changing the modification in the behavior of the placenta may be physiological to to say that okay i was deeply embedded can i begin to withdraw a little bit keeping the channel of vitality open but also preparing to release effortlessly not fully in and then pulled out very aggressive so perhaps the functioning does not reduce per se it is still functioning at its full potential for that time and that's how i would like to answer that i'm just going to take our last question uh, sindhu i have also received your question through an email so we are going to get back to you uh, with an email reply i'm just taking the last question uh, from prasanna and uh, she's saying does low lying placenta reduces nutrition and oxygen supply to the baby the the position may be compromising but that position doesn't have to be low lying there could be things going on in the uterus that may uh compromise the function of the placenta that's one issue low lying placenta is another issue there may be an overlap but all low lying placentas will not be a compromise to the baby that's not true so let's get all let's not just jumble them up and separate them out um so that's that's a really important thing to understand sure so before we end our today's session i just wanted to take a couple of minutes uh, for divya to explain uh, what's coming uh, in the month of august uh, for all of you and i know that uh, this is our instagram platform however i would urge all of you to follow us on facebook because we have something really really interesting coming up in the month of august so divya could you just explain that uh, a little So yes I'd love to I I really think that conversations help understanding conversations when we sit across from each other and put forth a view and maybe tickle the other person a little bit so we in the month of august at my child first are inviting people from around the world to uh, to talk to us to have a coffee conversation at 9 pm um it's not so like birth it's not scheduled it's not two times a week whatever time they could find for us and we want to have conversations of topics which are slightly offbeat like placentas not just you know do this and don't do this but also understanding how these sequences are put in what are these rhythms of our body how nature is cyclic how things work those are our conversations and we have them all month long from uh, from my child first on facebook as a live uh, we'll post it we will let you know what it is uh, we i have I have the privilege of hosting many of my teachers, many of my mentors uh, from all fields, not just birthing field, but I also have the uh, pleasure of calling my mentor from my pre and perinatal psychology, and who I'm doing trauma work with, Kate White. Uh, I have my hypnobirthing uh, mentor coming in to talk about hypnosis and fertility. So many different different aspects which have enriched my life, made me who I am. I'm inviting them for a conversation in August at my child first on our Facebook Live. so we will let you yes. know what is happening where yes uh, so we are going to uh, put up a, a entire schedule uh, for the month of august uh, and uh, it's it's I'm going to be excited. really exciting i'm excited yes absolutely <laughs> uh we i mean there are tons of uh, you know topics uh, that are very very close to us uh, we have picked them out uh, uh you know so so it will be really interesting uh, just follow us on our facebook because 
these this is a zoom conversation but we will be uh, doing it uh, live through facebook remember i said that YouTube. we will also have them on a platform on our platform later if somebody wants to come and see if you miss it yes. do register with us so i was just coming to that uh, we have a e learning uh, platform uh, which is called birth bonds uh, through which we deliver our online uh, childbirth classes and other courses as well uh, which we're putting up so uh, these uh, uh, conversation uh, we will be uh, putting them up on our uh, platform as well uh, so i'm going to just uh, uh, you know send out a a, a mailer Uh, to all of you i'll be putting it up on instagram and facebook you all can just uh, you know register for the same and uh, if you register uh, you know we are going to give you uh, access uh, to this uh, conversation uh, for the entire month if you would want to revisit any of the conversations uh, that uh, you might have missed for some reason or you would want to revisit it so uh yes just uh, our uh, facebook handle is uh, my child first 20 which is 20 so uh, uh like us there and uh, yes look out for uh, our next uh, talking tuesdays as well and very interesting topic coming for our next talking can i tuesdays. say something just yes. like us not just for <laughs> yes Thank you so much for attending uh, this session uh, this afternoon. I hope you all uh, liked it. Uh, Sindhu, uh, we are going to get back to you. We've received your email. Thank you.